Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. We're in a series uh, entitled 2020 Vision. 2020 Vision, refocusing your life. Every day that progresses in the year of 2020, I am more convinced that all of humanity need to refocus their minds, especially the church, especially believers, especially Christians. We need to refocus our minds. We need to refocus our minds. Today, we're going to be talking about choosing, choosing to manage our mind. Here's what I've learned in 53 years of life. If I don't manage my mind, my mind will manage me. Think on that for just a minute. If I don't choose to manage my mind, my mind will manage me. So I'm choosing to follow the Word of God. I'm choosing to control my mind by the things that I put into it. And I'm choosing to allow the Holy Spirit that's in my heart to help regulate my mind. When I fill my mind with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will take that Word of God that's stored in my mind and the Holy Spirit will supernaturally remind me of that throughout every day of my life and help me make wise choices, help me make God-honoring choices. Uh, That will cause me to be a light in a lost and dying world. And that's my choice. So I'm going to choose to manage my mind instead of allowing my mind to manage me. So let's jump right in this morning to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Uh, this is one of the theme verses for this whole series. You've heard me uh, read this uh, passage of Scripture many times in the past four to five weeks, but we're going to start here again today and just pay close attention and fill in the blanks as we go along. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not, help me out church, say do not. So we're clear that this is a do not. This is not a do, this is a do not. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. So I thought real hard this week, how can I say that any plainer? And I come up with nothing. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Again, we're going to talk about today about how to choose to manage my mind. Choose to manage my mind. That's the purpose of this whole series, 2020 Vision Refocusing Our Lives refocusing how we think. When we refocus how we think, it refocuses our attitudes. When our thinking and our attitudes are refocused, guess what will follow? Our actions. Our actions. Now listen. Listen closely. God is far more interested in changing my mind than He is in changing my circumstances. God is far more interested in changing my mind the way I think than He is to change my circumstances. Because if He changes my circumstances, then I never change my thinking. But as I change the way I think, my circumstances will change. 
And if I'm thinking correctly, my circumstances will change correctly, and that's God's will for my life. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Anybody else in here have any difficulty getting your mind to mind you? Anybody else in here struggle with that? If you recall, in the first message that I preached in the series, I gave you several reasons. I gave you a lot of reasons why we need to refocus our lives by refocusing how we think, refocusing our thinking. Let me mention a couple of those to get the, to get the sermon started this morning. Remember I said, because my thoughts control my life. We need to learn to manage our minds. We need to choose to manage our minds because our thoughts control our lives. If you think good thoughts, you're going to have a good life. If you think bad thoughts, you're going to have a bad life. If you concentrate and think on sinful thoughts, you're going to have a sinful life. But if you think spiritual thoughts, if you think biblical thoughts, if you think godly thoughts, then you're going to live a holy life. It's all based on how we think. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Be careful how you think. Say that with me. Be careful how you think. Why? Because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Pure and simple. Pure and simple. For the most part, for with some exceptions. For the most part, we control what we eat. We control what we drink. We control what we wear. We control where we live. We control what we drive. But you know what? We have the most trouble controlling what we think. With what we think. We struggle with what we allow allow what we give permission to to come into our minds and the Bible says as a man thinks as a woman thinks so is he so is she it's important what we think this verse teaches us that every action of our life begins with a with a thought begins with the thought in other words our mind controls and therefore shapes our entire life. But there's a second reason you need to learn to manage your mind, and it's this. Because my mind is the battleground for sin. That's where the battle takes place. Again, anybody in here besides me struggle with sin? Let me see your hand. The ones that didn't raise your hand, you do too. Your, your, your chief sin is you're a liar, Right? You didn't raise your hand, you're lying. Everybody on planet Earth struggles with sin. Everybody, everybody struggles with sin. Because my mind, I must choose, I must choose to manage my mind because my mind is the battleground for sin. It's where every single temptation begins in the mind. It's where every sin begins. The, the, the sin of pride begins in our thoughts, in our minds. The sin of lust, Jesus says it begins in the mind. If a man looks upon a woman and begins to think about things he ought not to think about, where does that start? starts in the mind. The sin of hatred begins in the mind. 
The sin of racism begins in the mind. The sin of fear, resentment, jealousy, envy, they all start where? In the mind. The battleground for sin is fought in our minds. It's not fought out here around us. It's not fought out here around us. It's fought in our minds. Paul talks about this ongoing battle that's constantly being fought in our minds in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, Paul says, I love to do God's will. Don't you love to do God's will? If you're a Christian, you love to do God's will. Paul said, I love to do God's will. So, uh, so far as my new nature is concerned, that is the new me, new creation, uh, the born again me, I love to do God's will. B-U-T. But, but there's something else deep within me, deep within me, that is at war with my, with my mind. And it wins the fight and it makes me a slave to the sin that's where? Within me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about our bad habits. He's talking about our hang-ups. He's talking about sin. He's talking about sin. And and, and when when we constantly live exhibiting sinful behavior... Our life can be nothing but one big mess. One big mess. People all the time wonder, why is my life a mess? Hey, look in the mirror. And while you're looking in the mirror, look into your eyes, the window to your soul, and start thinking about how you think. If you'll change your thinking, you'll change your life. Now notice the words in this verse. I want you to circle some words. You'll listen. I'd circle the word war. That's a key word in this passage of Scripture. Circle the word war. And then circle the word mind. And then circle the word fight. The word enslaved. And finally, the word sin. These are the ongoing battles that take place in your brain and in my brain every day. Every day. And the reason this battle is so intense is because our minds is our greatest asset given to us from God here on planet earth and Satan knows that whatever gets your attention gets you. Whatever you focus on has you. Is that an amen? Whatever you focus on, owns you. So Satan knows that whatever gets our attention gets us. And so he focuses his attack where? On our mind. Notice he doesn't focus on our behavior because he has learned in the amount of time that he's been warring against God and warring against God's people, Satan knows that that he doesn't have to focus on our behavior. 
Satan knows that our behavior follows our thoughts, so he goes to the head of the spring, and he attacks our minds. He attacks our thoughts. Now, here's a third reason why you have to learn to manage your mind, and it's this. Because when we choose to manage our mind, that's the key to peace and happiness. That's the key to peace and happiness. An unmanaged mind leads to tension. But a managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure. But a managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to stress. But a managed mind leads to strength and serenity. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos. But a managed mind leads to confidence. And our confidence is in who? Amen. Romans 8, 6 says it just as plain as it can be spoken. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. What kind of death? Peace, joy, relationships, all of life. If your old sinful nature controls your mind, then everything about your life is going to be about death and not life. In other words, it's a dead end. You're going to die. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, then there's life and peace. Let's just take a poll, Let's just take a poll for just a moment this morning. How many of y'all... How many of y'all would rather be dead over having life in peace? Let me see your hand. No, no, no. You missed, you missed the question. Focus. Focus. How many of y'all would rather have death over life in peace? Nobody. But do we? Who's managing your mind? Say me. That's the correct answer. Who's managing your mind? You are. So do you want death or do you want life and peace? Because if you choose to allow your old sinful carnal mind to rule your life, you're going to Experience death. But if you choose to allow the Holy Spirit to manage your mind, fill your thoughts, drive your life, you're going to enjoy life and peace. Again, that's the whole purpose of this series, how to refocus every area of your life. No area of your life should be off limits to the power of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. You must choose to surrender all of you to all of God, especially our minds, especially our minds. So today what I want to do is set up where we're going through the process of the rest of this series. Going forward, 
going to look at, we're going to break this down and look at more specific areas of our lives that need to be, must be refocused. We're going to talk about what happiness is all about. You want happiness? We're going to talk about how you respond to situations. We're going to talk about problems in the world. We're going to talk about suffering that happens in the world. We're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about your past. We're going to talk about your present. And we're going to talk about your future. That's where we're going as we go forward in this series. But today, I want to focus on three choices. Say choices. It's up to you. It's up to you. You can't blame anybody else for your circumstances. Well, that's a big problem in the world today. Everybody wants to blame everybody else for their circumstances. Your circumstances belong to you. Your circumstances belong to you. We're going to focus on three choices that you have to make every single day that you live. In fact, you have to make these choices all day long, every day. You're in the driver's seat. These are three daily choices you have to make in order to manage your mind. The first thing is you've got to, you've got to feed your mind. You've got to feed your mind. Not only do you have to feed your mind, you have to free your mind. And not only do you have to free your mind, then you have to focus your mind, okay? So the Bible teaches all three of these all throughout the New Testament. The Bible says you have to feed your mind, you have to free your mind, and you have to focus your mind. So let's take just a few minutes and let's look at each one of these this morning. The first one I mentioned is this, I must feed my mind with truth. I must feed my mind with truth. Here's one of the most famous phrases Jesus ever spoke while he was here on planet Earth. In John chapter 8, 32, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Say the truth. Now, he's not talking about just any old truth. When Jesus said the truth will set you free, here's the problem. A lot of people quote this verse, not realizing his definition of truth. Jesus' definition of truth is right here. Jesus' definition of truth is the undefiled Word of God, the inerrant, infallible Word of God. What Jesus is saying is, when you feed your mind the Word of God, when you feed your mind the truth, life is going to change. Life is going to drastically change. Life is going to start going in the right direction. I must feed my mind with truth. Matthew 4, 4. Jesus said these words, people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. Every word of God. This is soul food. This is the owner's manual for all of life. It's the word of God. And this is what will set you free. Now, there's a lot of things that are true that will set you free. Now, when we're playing music up here on stage, we're, we're using uh, iPads to show us each and every song that we play, the Nashville number system. And the Nashville number system is true. Is it not true? Nashville number st- system is truth. 
If you play the numbers on that page, you will play the right notes. I could teach you, if we had enough time and enough interest, I could teach you how to play that piano by the Nashville number system. But that won't set you free. It won't set you free. Now, I'm a, I'm a bivocational pastor. That means I work two different jobs. I work for Signature Healthcare. I work for Standing Stone Care and Rehab right here in Monterey as a chaplain. I could teach you the vision and mission of Signature Healthcare, and their vision and their mission is true. It's truth. I could teach you that, but it wouldn't set you free. So there's a lot of truth in the world today that has no power to set you free. This truth will set you free. Listen closely. Every time you choose to allow it, it sets you free. Every time you choose to allow it, to set you free. And so we have to feed our mind on truth which means we have to feed our minds this book, the Word of God. How often, I think this might be in your listening, guys, how often should I feed on the Word of God? All the time. All the time. We are the most excuseless generation that has ever lived. We're the most excuseless generation that's ever lived. Sometimes I innocently laugh at my junior high math teacher. Stevie, you need to learn this math because I'm telling you the truth. You won't always have a calculator in your pocket. Nah, 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 nah. Guess what? Now, back then, that was the truth. But guess what? That truth changed. This truth never changes. This truth never changes. So how often, how often should I feed on the Word of God? All the time. As I said, we're the most excuseless generation that's ever lived. Most of us are carrying a smartphone, which means you have access to thousands upon thousands upon thousands of resources, including the Word of God, that you carry with you 24-7. Yet, yet, how much time do we choose to feed our mind the Word of God over all other kind of trashy, junky information? Psalm 119, 147. The psalmist says, I rise early. Not just to rise early. He said, I rise early for a reason. I rise early to cry out for help, listen, and to put my hope in your words. The psalmist says, I get up early on purpose to cry out from help, and the place I go to find my help is the Word of God. The Word of God. I love the word hope. You want to know how much I love the word hope? We named this place Hope in Christ Fellowship. I love hope. Don't you love hope? We need hope to survive. Hope is a good word. Hope is a good thing. Speaking of hope, did you know in this book, 
there are over 7,000 promises given to you, given to me, given 7,000. Now, I know you got a calculator in your pocket. Anybody want to do the math? Anybody want to take 7,000? Do, do Somebody entertain me right quick. I know you got it. Oh, you got one, preacher. Yes, you do. Open your calculator up and take 7,000 and divide 365 into that and tell me what the answer is. What's 7,000 divided by 365? Huh? 19.17. So if we, if we claimed one promise a day from the Bible, once a year, it would take us 19 years claim every promise in this book. 365 promises a day. That's something to focus on. We talked about this last week, didn't we? God is a God of his promises. And if we'll program our mind to receive one promise a day, we've got 20 years worth of promises before we run out and have to start over. Wow. Seven thousand promises. So, if you need hope, if you're feeling hopeless, I say this loving. I say this with kindness. It's your fault. Here's hope. Here's twenty years worth of hope before you have to start over again. If you feel hopeless, it's because you're not filling your mind with the Word of God. You're not choosing to refocus your mind. I say that with confidence because I know from experience. I'm speaking from the heart this morning. I know from experience that if you absorb all of these wonderful 7,000 promises into your life, you are going to be a hopeful person, I promise. I promise you'll be a hopeful person. Look at this next verse, Psalm 119, 97. Lord, how I love your word. I think about it all day long. Would you circle that phrase all day long? All day long. Question, do you think of God's word all day long? Say nope. Not just no, it's nope. We don't, but we could. We don't, but we could. The Bible says that if you start your day, if you rise early and you begin to cry out from help from the Word of God and you receive the Word of God, here's what the Bible teaches. Then you can think about it all day long and you can call to remembrance what God is giving you and it's going to help you battle any circumstances you face successfully in a God-honoring, Christ-honoring hopeful way. Let me show you how serious this is, how serious David was about being in the Word of God, the Word of God, the truth that sets you free. There was a time in David's life that he had far more enemies than he had friends. The Bible says he was on the run. I mean, he was running for his life. 
He's running for his life. He's hiding in caves. But no matter what circumstances David found himself in, what did he do constantly? He chose to manage his mind by feeding his mind the Word of God, the truth. The truth. In 119.95, he said, Even when wicked people hide to ambush and kill me, listen to what he does. He says, Quietly keep my mind on your decrees. When you look at all the things going on in the world, especially in our nation, in our state, in our community, it's really easy to get discouraged, isn't it? Really easy to get discouraged. When you read the newspaper, when you listen to the radio, when you watch TV, I promise if you do that much at all, you will get discouraged. You're going to feel hopeless. Like the psalmist, I quietly keep my mind on your word. This past Thursday, I felt impressed to do something radical. And I did it. Before I signed off Facebook, I made a challenge. Beginning Friday, I'm off social media. Starting this past Friday, I'm not watching any news source whatsoever. None. I'm focusing on God, His goodness, and His grace. But see, if you need to stay informed, I've got enough information. This world is crazy. This world is dying. I don't need nobody to tell me that every day. I don't need the gory details. I know that. Why? The Bible tells me that. Starting last Friday, for the next 30 days, all that I'm going to allow in is the good stuff. I'm choosing to manage my mind. And I'll tell you what a difference just Friday, Saturday, leading up to today makes. Huh? I actually heard birds singing this morning when I woke up. Right? Why? Because my mind could focus on something positive and not nothing negative. I need to feed my mind with the truth. David said, even when I'm running from my enemies, I'm going to take time to feed my mind, the truth. Do you do that in a time of crisis? That's called managing your mind. The first thing we have to do is we have to feed our mind with the truth. And the truth is what? The Word of God. Number two, number two, I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. I have to free our mind after we feed our mind. And the thing is, if we'll feed our mind the right stuff, it said what? The truth will do what? Set you free. So I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. Our mind has to be liberated. Our mind has to be delivered. Our mind has to be set free. Our mind must be released from holding it captive. Now, I didn't say this is easy. 
I'm not saying this is easy. The easy part is me standing here telling you it must be done. That's the easy part. The hard part is actually doing it. So how do you liberate your mind? How do you allow God to set your mind free? How do you allow God to deliver your mind? And why is it so stinking difficult? It's because there's an ongoing battle in your mind from the moment you wake up in the morning till the time you fall asleep at night. It's war. It's battle. It's a battle. There's three forces in this battle that is constantly warring against all your best intentions. We all have good intentions, right? We all have good intentions. We have good intentions to fill our minds with God's truth on a daily basis. We say things like, you know, I want to live the way God wants me to live. We say these things. These are our intentions. I I want to know God better. I want to fill my mind with the truth. I want to feed my mind with the Word of God. But none of those things happen easily. Why? Because Satan is going to fight you tooth and toenail, and you're going to have to fight to free your mind. You've got to fight. Why? Because of these three enemies. I'm going to give you the three enemies that war against you freeing your mind. The first enemy that you're battling in your brain is this. The number, the first enemy of my mind is my old nature. My old nature. How many Christians, how many believers we got in the house this morning? Say amen. Okay. Sitting there with you, not beside you, sitting there with you is your old nature and your new nature. Okay? There's an old Steve and a new Steve. And they're at war. They're at war. They're constantly at war with one another. And like I taught my children when they were growing up, whichever one of these two natures you feed will grow, will grow in strength, will grow in power. If you feed the old carnal man, if you feed the old sinful man, he will outgrow the spiritual man, and the carnal sinful man will rule over the spiritual man. But if you feed the spirit man, the spirit man will grow and grow and become stronger and stronger, and he will defeat the carnal man. And that's the truth. The first enemy of my mind is my old nature. In other words, it's my old remaining sin nature that wants me to think of myself. The old nature is self-centered very selfish and self-centered. It does not want me to think about what God wants for my life. Romans 7, 23. Paul says, I see in my body a principle at war with the what? Law of my mind. Taking me captive to the law of sin that dwells inside me. Even though you're a believer, although you've been saved again, although the Holy Spirit is in there, you still have the old man alive on the inside of you, the old sin nature. And what Paul is saying here is, he says, I see in my body this principle at war with the law of my mind. In other words, I'm being held hostage by my thoughts. 
You ever felt like that? Like, I just can't get these thoughts out of my head. I don't want to think these thoughts, but they're holding me captive, holding me hostage. You ever find yourself doing things that you really don't want to do? I mean, you know better, but you still do it. That's what this verse is saying. Do you ever engage in self-destructive behavior? Of course you do. We all do. I know know this is not good for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's the battle in your mind when you're losing it. Your old nature is not your friend, but your enemy. It's the source of all your bad habits. It's the source of all your sinful habits, your destructive habits. It's the source of all your self-defeating habits. And that's what continues to bring you down and down and down. It's in your mind. It's in your mind. That's the battle in your mind when you're losing it. I want you to write this down. Write this down. Here's an important point that we're going to talk about over and over and over throughout this series. Write this down. I don't have to believe everything I think. Write that down. I don't have to believe everything I think. Why? Because your mind lies to you all the time. Your mind lies to you all the time. Just because you think something doesn't make it true. I would love to stand on the tallest mountain on planet Earth, and I'd like to have the most incredible sound system ever made, and I'd like to say this. Just because you think it doesn't make it true. That's good, ain't it? Just because you feel something doesn't make it true. I have met some kooks in the in the church. They think they know God. They think they know about God. They think they know the mind of God. They think they know the heart of God. And they feel all kinds of things. I'm not going on thinking or feeling. I'm going off, thus said the Word of God. A part of being mature, a part of being spiritually mature, a part of being mature in life is growing up and learning to know the difference between what's true and what's not true. We'll disappoint some people right here. Santa Claus ain't real. Sorry. Easter Bunny? No. You used to think it was true, didn't you? Go ahead. You used to think the Easter Bunny was what Easter was all about too, didn't you? 
And you felt like that was very, very true and beneficial to you in that part of life. But you learned better, didn't you? Well, you did now. One of the most productive disciplines you can practice on an ongoing basis is to challenge what you think. Challenge what you think. Challenge your thoughts by asking yourself, I, I realize, I know what I'm thinking, but is what I'm thinking true in comparison to the truth, to the Word of God? Nobody likes me. Is that true? I'm never going to get any better. Is that true? My life is worthless. Is that true? Every once in a while, I love it. I love, love, love it. Saturday. Saturday, I had served as manager on duty at the nursing home and had actually left for the day and got summoned back. And God allowed me to go to a room and talk to this individual for about an hour and a half who was never raised in church, doesn't know the Bible, doesn't know the Word of God. And for an hour and a half, I got to talk to her about how much God loves me. Her story is horrendous. Extremely sad. A hopeless, hopeless, hopeless lady. But God allowed me the opportunity to feed her mind truth for an hour and a half, and I got to pray with her when, when it was over. And I'm trusting God will complete the journey. Her thought is, my life worthless. And I told her it wasn't. You agree with that? That's what Romans 5, 8 says. I mean, Romans 8, 5. Listen closely, folks. Those who are dominated by their old sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about things that please the Spirit. Now, did you see the word think in there several times? Those who are dominated by their old sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please God, that please Jesus, that please the Holy Spirit. So the first enemy, the first enemy is inside your head, and it's our old nature. The second enemy is the enemy around me. The second enemy is the enemy around me. So the first enemy is in my head. The second enemy is around me, and his name is Satan. Satan is the second enemy, and here's what he wants to do. He wants to persuade your mind in all the wrong ways. He wants to impress your mind in all the wrong ways. Now listen very, very, very carefully. Listen carefully. If you're a born-again believer, if you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you possess all power over Satan. Satan is powerless against the power 
inside of you. And it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit of God. The entire power of Almighty God resides inside of us as believers. You got to know that. You got to know that. Satan cannot force you to do anything. He cannot force you to do anything. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, Satan cannot force you to do anything. He only has the power of persuasion. We call that temptation. That's all he can do. That's all he can do. When he puts suggestions in your mind, that's what we call temptation. Again, he cannot force you to do anything. All he has the power to do is to suggest. And so when you don't know how to manage your mind, you're going to allow all that junk in. And as you think, so are you. Choosing to manage my mind. Satan is continually planting negative thoughts in your mind. Negative ideas, negative suggestions, negative impressions. The moment you wake up, he's telling you to do the opposite of the will of God for your life. He's the one that's saying, go ahead and do that. You know you deserve it. Go ahead, get angry. Get real mad. You deserve to get angry. After all, they're stupid. You know what they said. You know what they did. You deserve to get even with them. Now let's work up a plan and get even with them. You ever think thoughts like that? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I know everybody in the room has the way the carnal man thinks, the way the carnal woman thinks. So where do you think all that garbage is coming from? The enemy. He's giving you all the wrong ammunition to fight a battle. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul's talking about this guy who had sinned in the church Here's what Paul said. Paul said, I have forgiven that man. Paul said, I didn't hold on to the grudge. I gave forgiveness because forgiveness has been given to me. And what has been given to me freely, I need to freely offer to all others. And forgiveness is at the top of the list. And And he told us why that he chose to forgive this man. So that Satan won't outsmart us. For we're very familiar with his evil schemes. Come out. What I draw from this verse is that unforgiveness is evil. Did you get that? I've forgiven that man so that Satan won't outsmart us. For we're very familiar, very familiar with his evil schemes, and the evil scheme was to not forgive the man. Any amount of unforgiveness in your heart and in your mind this morning is pure evil from the depths of hell. 
And you want to you wonder? You want to wonder why your life is in a mess? Because you're storing evil in your heart. We're talking about being set free. The truth will set you free. God never wants you to hold on to hurt. God never wants you to hold on to hurt. Satan loves it when you hold on to hurt. Because you're ineffective in the kingdom when you store evil in your heart. God can't use you. He wants you to hold a grudge. He wants you to continue to be unforgiving. Anytime I refuse to forgive someone, I've given in to the thought or the suggestion that Satan has planted in my mind. The first enemy of freeing my mind is my own thoughts. The second enemy is Satan. The third enemy of my mind is the world's values. The world's values. Every value that the world holds dear is in direct opposition with God's plan for your life. Advertisers promotes the world's values. Hollywood's movies and TV shows and music promotes the world's values. Most all celebrities promote worldly values. You want to know what's sad? We pay them, we, we pay them to feed our minds that garbage. We pay for it. We literally write a check and pay for it every month. And you wonder why your mind's a mess. You wonder why your life is a mess. It's because you're refusing to manage your own mind. Remember what I said a while ago? When we don't manage our mind, leads to death. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to manage our mind, it leads to what? Life and peace. Nobody in the world is encouraging you to do the right thing. Nobody in this world, no worldly individual is encouraging you to do the right thing. Here's what they say. Do what's best for you. That's what the world tells you. You do what's best for you. Is that not what the world teaches? We have a saying around here, don't we? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. The church, we can say that and recite it. It's time we start living it. It's time we start living it. That is the single most cultural 
countercultural statement a human being can utter. Culture says it's all about you. You take care of old number one, and don't you worry about nobody else. Bible teaches us it's not about me. The Bible even teaches it's not about you. The Bible teaches it's all about Jesus. But listen to what the truth says in 1 John 2.16. All, say all. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Do what? All that is in the world. I, I'm, I have short-term memory loss. What was that first word? That's what I thought. All that is in the world. And, the, and then the list follows. Here's what's in the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. And those three are not of the Father. But is of this world. Again, have you noticed that there's nothing in the world that encourages you to be disciplined? It's all about more. More, more, more. Finance it longer, longer, longer. Build it bigger, bigger, bigger. Buy it faster, faster, faster. You need more. You need more. You need more. Never content. Never satisfied. And that's not of the Father. That's coming from Satan. Nobody encourages us to be disciplined. They all say, give in to the lust of the flesh. Give in to the lust of the eyes. Give in to the pride of life. Give in to passion, possession, and position. Give in to sex, salary, and status. Give in to living for yourself. So how do we fight? How do we fight this ongoing mental battle in our brain? Can I tell you that it's really, really, really simple? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Though we live in this world, living in this world, we're here. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I want to pull up a stool and just tell you to turn your phone off and turn your watch off. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm struggling. I just want to sit down and talk about this the rest of the day. It's so simple. It's so simple. Though we live in, church, listen to me. Though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. 
weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Why? Although we live in this world, we're not of this world. Joe Biden and Donald Trump should not be your source of hope. People are losing their minds. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. Your mind and your heart should be on fire for King Jesus. Brianna, is this on? Can you hear me? Will you check the batteries in your hearing aids? Joe Biden and Donald Trump should not even be a bleep on the radar of giving you hope. Because we're not of this world. We're of the kingdom of God. And our passions and our fervor and our excitement and everything that stirs us up ought to be kingdom-focused and purpose-driven. And we need to be chasing after the King of glory, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Now, now listen to me. I've had it up to here. I'm done with it. I'm done with Christians showing their butt on social media. I'm tired of so-called Christians showing their butt out in public. Who and what are you living for? Are we? Proofs in the pudding. Proofs in your actions. We have to choose to manage our minds. We have to choose to feed our minds truth. I don't care how liberal you are. I don't care how conservative you are. Nowhere in the mix of that is truth. There are professionally paid people that write stuff down and call it truth to wind you up and drive you crazy, and you're buying into it. Here's the truth. This world is like the Titanic. It's sinking. 
to put stock in this world or any man in this world is as ridiculous as the Titanic is beginning to sink. I'm talking about it's done, done this number, and it's going down. And you're running around the ship trying to elect a new captain to fix the situation. How ridiculous would that be? That'd be ridiculous. This thing's going down. What we need is a new captain. This new captain will turn this ship right back up. We'll be okay. You go ahead and believe that. You're going to be fish bait in a short amount of time. Frozen frozen fish bait at that. The answer's not here. Here, you want to know the answer? Here's the answer. So simple. So simple. Jesus, what is the greatest commandment in all of the law? What is the greatest commandment? Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all. See, when you give him all, there's nothing left. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's the answer. And the second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. But but what if they're a different color? Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. What if they belong to a different political party? Love your neighbor as much. What, what if I'm wealthy and they're poor? Love your neighbor. What if you're poor and they're rich? Love your neighbor. What if I'm a Christian and they're a lost person? Love your neighbor. You get it? Be the change you want to see. If you want to change the world, love God supremely and love everybody else and get the evil out of your hearts. Because it's evil. It's satanic. Anything but love is satanic. Prejudice, satanic. Racism, satanic. Unforgiveness, satanic. You don't know what will fix this nation right now? We just need to continue to peacefully assemble and protest inside the house of God. We need to protest the world. We need to protest hell. We need to protest Satan and his evil schemes. And how do you protest that? By declaring truth. And truth is love. And then... Leave this place choosing to manage your mind and go let it spill out to every living human being on the planet. Brother Steve, yes, that's good preaching. Thank you. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Our weapons have divine power. That's where we're missing it. Oh, but I've got a big gun. 
Oh, I've got a big flag. Oh, I've got a big political party. Our weapons have divine power. And you know what divine power does? It demolishes strongholds. Yeah. No, 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 no. Don't get excited yet. It gets gooder. Don't get excited yet. We're not talking about divine power that has the ability to hit the pause button. We ain't talking about divine power like Roundup. you You can spend a lot of money on Roundup and spray a weed. That sucker will be back in three months. I ain't talking about Roundup. I'm talking about divine power that demolishes Demo tears it up, tears it down, buries it, and forgets about it. The weapons of this world today are primarily political. We don't use those weapons. We don't use those weapons. We don't use those weapons. Trying to get a point across here. I need you to participate. The Bible says our weapons have divine power. For the word strongholds. We demolish any argument. We demolish. We demolish. Any argument and every pretension that sets itself up like in our minds against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought that makes it obedient to Christ. In other words, we're in a constant wrestling match with our thoughts. And here's what we have to do. We have to pin them down. We have to take them captive. We have to demolish them with divine power. It's a mental battle. It says that in your minds, you have what is called strongholds. So what is a stronghold? It's really simple. A stronghold is a lie that you believe. A stronghold is something I have in my mind that I believe is truth and it's not truth. And it holds me captive. A stronghold is a lie that I believe that I'm acting on. Where do all lies come from? The father of lies. And all lies come from him. Anytime I believe a lie about God, that's a stronghold. Anytime I believe a lie about myself, that's a stronghold. Anytime I believe a lie about this world, about the future, about the past, about the present, that's a lie. That's a stronghold. Anytime I believe a lie about money or sex or power or prosperity, that becomes a stronghold in my life. And it puts me in a headlock and it holds me there captive. And I cannot do God's will. Things like false values, false worldviews, where we live for pleasure, where we live for materialism, all those things can become strongholds if we don't choose to manage our minds. A stronghold can 
be a personal attitude. I've met people who have the stronghold in their brain called worry. Depression, resentment, envy, pride, self-conceit, ego. Now here's what you want to do this morning. You want to notice two phrases. You want to notice two phrases in that passage. Again, circle these. We take captive. We take captive, which means we bring it under control. We conquer it. We demolish it. We capture it. It's a war term. We have to take our thoughts captive. We don't just allow them to run wild. We choose to manage our minds. It says we must make them obedient. In other words, we bring them under submission. You say, well, that's great, Steve. That's just great. That sounds wonderful. I'd like to do that. I'd love to have more control over the way that I think. But how do I do that? How do I make my mind mind me? Step one to being delivered from any stronghold, the first step to being delivered from any addiction is this. First, you have to admit you have a problem. How do I make my mind mind me? You start with confession. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, did we not? We talked about confession. We have to confess, you know what? My thoughts often disobey me. They rebel. My mind has a mind of its own. It goes off in any direction. It goes off in directions I don't intend for it to. The reason most people are ineffective and defeated in life is that they don't know how to fight the battle of the mind. That's what we're going to talk about in detail as we go forward in this series. Now then, the best time to win the battle in your mind is before it happens. Before the battle happens. That means you have to choose to do what we've talked about this morning. You've got to do what we've talked about this morning. You've got to feed your mind the truth of God's Word. You've got to control your thoughts. You've got to free your mind. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But look at this, and we're getting really close to done. Psalm 119, 112. I have made up my mind to obey your laws forever, no matter what. No matter what, God, I'm going to obey your laws. I'm going to choose to manage my mind and my mind is going to be filled with your word and your word is going to free my mind. And when I'm feeding my mind your word and I become free in my thinking, God, I'm going to make up my mind to obey your laws forever no matter what. Number three, the last point of the day, I must focus my mind on the right things. And you don't get to choose what's right. You don't get to choose what's wrong. That's the original sin of all humanity. As far as you could see to the north, as far as you could see to the south, as far as you could see to the west, and as far as you could see to the east, God made a perfect, glorious, wonderful, wonderful garden of paradise. And Adam and Eve had want for nothing. And he gave them one little bitty rule to obey tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam, Eve, take my word for what is right. Adam, Eve, take my word for what is wrong and enjoy this. But Satan slipped in 
and offered them a suggestion. And because they failed to manage their minds, they chose of their own accord to disobey God and all of humanity failed. We have the opportunity to do better. We must know that this is truth. And folks, I know it's 2020. And I know I'm old-fashioned. And that's okay. I'm old-fashioned enough to know that Genesis 1-1 plumbed through the, plumbed through the maps. It's still the Word of God. And I'm, I'm going to run on the Word of God. This is the foundation of who I am and who I will forever be. I'm going with the Word of God. I must focus my mind on the right things. And by focusing my mind on the right things, I have to think about Jesus. And I've got to think about Jesus a whole lot. I've got to think about Jesus more than I think about my wonderful, beautiful wife. I've got to think about Jesus more than I think about my children and my grandchildren and my house, and my property, and my car, and my bank account, and my job, and my grass that I love to mow, and a big commercial X-Mark mower that I love to get on and ride. i got to love Jesus. i got to think about more than I think about anything else if I'm going to manage my mind. And I can do that. I can do that. And you can do that. But you have to choose to do it. So going forward after this series, don't come to me whining and complaining that your life's a mess. First thing I'm going to ask you, I'm going to say, are you managing your mind? You're going to go, here's what I'm going to tell you. Get on out of here. You got your listening guide. Go back to, go back to YouTube. Pull up that series I preached. And you watch it again, you start practicing that. What I'm going to tell you, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you I love you as you're disappearing out the door, but that's what I'm going to tell you. Ain't got time for that. Don't come in here whining. Don't come in here complaining that your life's a mess when you won't do what the Word of God teaches you to do. It's your own fault. I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll encourage you. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, go get in the Word and choose to obey the Word and think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.8, keep your mind on Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12.2, think about Jesus' example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to Him. So don't get tired and stop trying. Don't do it. Don't you dare get tired of doing the right thing. What gives you the power to keep on going when you feel like giving up? Think about Jesus. Keep your mind on Jesus. Don't you imagine Jesus felt like giving up? We know He did because when He prayed in the garden, He said, Father, be Your will. Let this cup pass from me. He was tired of that. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. He was thinking about the Father. Now then, as I said, the great commandment, love God supremely, think about Jesus all the time. The second part of the great commandment was to love your neighbor as much as yourself. Spend your time 
thinking about Jesus and spend your time thinking about others. Here's part of the problem. Most everybody on the planet today is drunk on themselves. They are. Me, 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 me. It's all you think about. It's all you're worried about. Me, 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 me. Hey, if you'll put God first and put everybody else second, you know what will happen? Shazam. Shazam. You're talking about life change. You're talking about hope, joy, and peace, and tranquility. And man, you're talking about you're talking about life going in the right direction. Philippians 2, 4. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they are doing. Hebrews 10, 24. I've hit that clicker three times and it stayed still. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think about each other. Let us help each other to show love and do good deeds. Love Jesus. Love others. Do good to Jesus. Do good to others. Life will go grand. Life will go grand. And the third thing and the last thing, think about Jesus. Think about others. Get your mind off of this world. And think about eternity. This life is like a vapor. Wow. Wow. Sit behind this piano. And I glance over and I see Brenda, Michelle, Melena, and Daryl, and Chad, and Michael. And my mind goes racing back years and years and years. Y'all know Chad used to have blonde hair? He did. I think back to when I was a teenager. We're running all over the countryside singing gospel music. And every once in a while, we'd wind up at the same church or the same community center as the Keys. And there'd be Daryl, Melaine, and their family. And you know, my mind goes back and I think, that had to be yesterday. But it wasn't. It wasn't. And then it, then it just dawns on me, Steve, you're 53, you're, you're, a, you're a grandpa. Daryl, where did it go? Just a vapor. And we worry ourselves silly. We worry ourselves into depression. We, we worry ourselves onto medication. About this world. The way I see it, I'll get to blink about two more times and I'll be gone. About two more blinks. Y'all be saying, boy, he was a dandy. Boy, I really like that guy. He's gone on to heaven now. That don't scare me. Wow, that that is so, so appetizing. be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. One of the greatest things about heaven is I won't have to preach tomorrow. 
Yeah, and, and, the second, and the second best thing is you won't have to listen to me preach tonight because there'll be no need because I'll lay off all this mess and the real me will be there. Because the Bible says when I see him, and I'm going to see him, when I see him, I shall be just like him. You know what we don't do enough? We don't think about eternity enough. Folks, please refocus. Please, please refocus your thinking. Get your mind and get your heart off and out of this world. It's not worth it. It's not going to make it, Stacy. The whole thing is going to be burned up with fervent fire. And Jesus is going to make all things new. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. Why? No eye has ever seen. No ear has ever heard. No mind has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him? y'all come on here's what I've fervently tried to persuade you all of today let's choose to manage our minds we do that by feeding our minds the truth of God's word that frees our mind of deceptive thinking, destructive thinking. And then let's focus our minds on eternity. You've probably heard this, say, this said before. Well, you know, some of those Christians, they're just, they're just so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. Have you ever heard that before? But you know that's not true. The flip side of that is what is true. You know, those folks are so worldly-minded, they're no heavenly good. Here's the question. Where are you at this morning? Are you so heavenly-minded that you're very, very, very little good on planet Earth? Or are you so earthly-minded that you're very, very, very little beneficial to the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Let's bow our heads. Father, we celebrate today being made in your image. Father, we're thankful that you've given us minds to think. Father, we realize that because our minds are one of our greatest assets that makes it one of our greatest battlegrounds. 
And Father, we realize that because of the world and because of the flesh and because of the devil, because they're teaming up to frustrate our best intentions, Father, we need your help. Father, through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit, help me to put into practice everything that I've learned today. Help me do what you've called me to do. Make wise choices every day. I want to feed my mind with truth, your word. I want to free my mind from destructive thoughts by taking every thought captive. I want to focus my mind on the right things. I don't want my mind to run wild. Help me be wise when I face with temptation. Father, as the psalmist said, today I've made up my mind to obey your word and believe your truth no matter what. Father, help me to think about Jesus, others, and eternity. Father, I pray all this in the mighty, mighty, and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Let's not let this moment pass by with just a hearty amen or a hallelujah. Let's be obedient to what we've heard today. And let's act on that, would you?